was Tumbling Down by Venus and Furs uh, from the Velvet Goldmine album. Before that, we we heard Told Slant with Green Nail Polish. And uh, we also heard Ben Sidron with It Don't Pay to Worry Like That. Uh, We also heard a great song from Philip Wusu. The track was Good Night. Uh, We also heard, God, I'm repeating myself anyway, we heard Destroyer with Trembling Peacock, and at the top again, Conan Moccasin with I'm the Man That Will Find You. You're listening to Song and Bone at RadioValencia.fm. It's a few minutes before the end of my show. And stay tuned for Pure Pop for Queer Lovers, which is up next and always fantastic. Uh, I'm going to say goodbye uh, with a Brian Ferry tune, and I think we'll be fading out on a song from Loving. Anyway, until next week, take good care of yourself. Bye-bye.
brings you visual and auditory mind control. For the best graphic design, physical merchandise, and live music promotion, go to www.subliminalsf.com and check out their hilarious t-shirts and super cool bands at clubs and bars all over the Bay Area. Subliminal SF creates amazing flyers, posters, and design for every need. So go now to www.subliminalsf.com and experience what this wonderful local business has to offer. Welcome to the AltaCast. My CD isn't playing. We're having technical difficulties here already. Hey, it's uh, Wednesday. It's that time. Time when... Why won't it play? What's going on? Uh, crazy. It's spinning. It's crazy. Letting you guys behind the curtain here of the AltaCast. Japanese dolphins. Uh, that is Kope, always behind us, the Japanese Bjork. So, if anyone was listening last week, we were just all over the map. Uh, Steve Poggi, literally all over the map, and uh, talking about situations. And anyways, hey, the good news is I got my phone back. <laughs> You guys heard about all that. Uh, last night, we went out to karaoke again. You know, I got to stop doing the dance break. They say that an addiction is when a behavior that you're doing gets in the way of you living the rest of your life. And I might be addicted to karaoke. It might be a problem. And I don't know if it's that I'm addicted to the karaoke or the dance break. You see, I should not dance anymore. I am too old. And every time I get on stage and I start doing the dance break, I hurt myself. That I, uh, my tushy hurts from my Mexico karaoke fiasco. And uh, I hurt myself again last night singing The Reflex by Duran Duran. Sadly, my regular karaoke guy wasn't there. And so no live band backing there. But uh, whoever took his place did a fine job. And so did I. And again, uh, a lot of comedy last night, a lot of fun. Hit Taupe, Grant and Green, OMG first, and then, and then I did karaoke. It's a problem. <laughs> or a solution, I'm not sure. Uh, but it's not, alcohol isn't the problem. I'm telling you, karaoke is the problem. Well, everybody, what is the problem? With you and with us, what I mean by that is the U.S. What is going on? I, I didn't pay attention at all this week because uh, I can't. I just can't even, you know. I But I did um, pay my taxes, so that was great. It wasn't as scary and difficult as I thought the tax 
hawk make very easy. And uh, I mean, it was it wasn't as scary. I'm I'm happy that I could give the government money so that I can keep being on food stamps. Thank you so much. Uh, let's look at this Trump approval rating. It's uh, Trump's approval rating is back near first hundred day levels. What did he do? He the porn star thing came out and now he has a better trouble for Trump president's approval rating only 39% in new poll is that I what was I mean what was Obama's I should look that up uh, because just to compare because that would make him crazy wouldn't it uh, let's see yeah so he was about 50% uh, five things this is funny five things to keep in mind Whenever Trump tweets about polling. All right. God, I hate that guy. The picture comes up and I just, I just, I'm so disappointed that this is our reality. Like, it's so hard for me to accept. I just want to hide in Netflix or something. I, you know, what's been making me cry this week are those new chef's tables. Oh my God. Pastry chefs. What passion. For the third time in two weeks, President Trump on Sunday touted poll numbers that showed half the country approving of the job he's doing as president. Oh, you mean you you, you polarized us? That's funny. Just hit 50% in the Rummerson poll, much higher than President Obama at the same point, Trump wrote, with his characteristically idiosyncratic capitalization. With all the phony stories and fake news, it's hard to believe. Thank you, America. We are doing great things. That tweet provides a great opportunity to review some of the ways in which Trump uses poll numbers to present a rosier case for his presidency than is warranted. So let's do so. One, Ramosin reports polls are consistently friendlier to Trump and were more unfavorable to Obama than most polls. The pollster uses an unusual pool for its polls, taking only talking only to likely voters, a nebulous descriptor for a subset of the population that doesn't try to approximate the views of all Americans. Often, like voter pools, like oh, often likely voter pools lean more heavily Republican because well, Republicans are often more likely to vote. Even in this year, when Democrats consistently say they're more motivated to vote, the end result is that Democrats are about as likely to vote as Republicans. Ramosin calls only landline phones, supplementing that pool with an online survey. It's an unorthodox methodology that has produced mixed results. But those results have a consistent pattern. From the day of each president's inauguration through April 14th of his second year in office, Ramosin released hundreds of poll results assessing Obama and Trump's national approval. In 93.7% of the polls taken from January 20th, 2009 to April 14th, 2010, Ramosin's Obama approval rating was lower than the real clear politics average of polls on the same day. On average, the Ramosin polls were 3.9 points lower than the real clear politics number. In 99% of the polls taken from January 20, 
2017 to April 14th, 2018, Ramosin's Trump approval number was higher than the RPC average of polls by an average of 4.9 points. This is what it looked like earlier this month. And there's, um, he's, he's a lot, it's actually a lot lower. Like if you look at Obama 2009 and Trump 2009, Obama at one point was up to like 65%, uh, which is crazy. And the highest Trump has been was at the beginning and it was at 46% about. But there's a big scale in between where you can see what which the polls and stuff were. So, In early 2010, 538 editor Nate Silver attributed Romusen's Republican lean to House Effect. How it conducted its polls led to a Republican advantage. If you're running a news organization and you tend to cite Romusen's polls disproportionately, he wrote, it probably means that you are biased. It does not necessarily mean that Romusen is biased. After the November 2010 election, he changed his position. Ramosin was, in fact, biased, but his point about citing Ramosin's stance, and we'll come back to it. Two, most polls have consistently had Trump favorably rating well under 50%. So if Ramosin's 50% figure is high, what's correct? Correct in polling is hard to say with certainty. Polls have acknowledged built-in errors that mean their mean their findings are always within a range that's why most of those who are tracking polls look at poll averages like rpcs averages tend to diminish the effects of those margins over error here then is how rpcs averages for trump and obama compared through mid-april of the second year in office well the lowest it ever was here for Obama was still higher than Trump. <laughs> I love it. This little squiggly red line down here. We don't like you. California has a lot of people in it and we don't like you. I don't want to speak for everyone in California. I can only speak for myself. But I mean, it, just seeing his name makes me want to cry for the loss of democracy. I mean, I, it, I guess it's not a loss of democracy. People voted and they just... I need to move to Mexico is basically what it means. It's Americans are dumb. And they, what did you think? The, the guy who duped people out of their money with his fake university was going to be great for you? He was going to, what, give you a job in manufacturing? Where? In Indonesia? Obama's average has always been higher, although the gap between the two has narrowed. More on that in a second, too. Trump is cherry-picking when he only looks at Ramosin poll. If we cherry-pick a poll that's closer to our hearts, a new poll from the Washington Post and our partners at ABC News, Trump's approval rating is 40%. In mid-April 2010, Obama was at 54% in our poll. Trump's poll numbers are unusually low. It's important to reiterate, too, that these are not just two regular old polling averages for two presidents, one of which is better than the other. Pollsters keep determining that Trump's unpopularity is historically low. His approval has improved recently, but it's still very bad by historic standards. So even if Trump were to correctly tout an uptick in poll that wasn't an outlier like Ramosin, it's simply climbing up a bit further from the bottom of the barrel. Four, Trump's poll numbers are unusually static, but Trump's approval ratings haven't really moved that much at all. We can express this visually. That doesn't help us. Oh, here we go. So um, 
they go Truman, Eisenhower, Kennedy, Johnson. They go back and forth. Nixon, oof, he had some low <laughs> ratings. But Trump is down there. Wow. The range of approval ratings for Trump is much more narrow than it was for prior presidents. Only Obama had a range that was nearly as small. Why? Because the past seven years of Obama's presidency set a pattern that Trump continues. His party loved him, the other party hated him, and independents moved around. Republicans were open to Obama for the first year of his presidency before they calcified into opposition. The Democrats never gave Trump that grace period. Independents made up much of the movement in Obama's polls, and independents viewed Trump more negatively than they did Obama. That pattern emerged in Obama's second year, which is why it looks like those two lines have converged. By April 2010, Obama was in the upper 40s. He'd eventually settle in the mid-40s for much of his time in office. For about half time in office, Trump has been in the 30s. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, the 30s. Uh, Trump's poll numbers are low and stay low. And it's not clear what, if anything, might break that pattern. Movement in the polls, then, is largely minor or insignificant. Five, polls don't keep rising to the same percentage over and over. As we said, Trump has tweeted three times about polls this month. All three polls from Ramosin. There, these are the three polls. Notice anything? Donald, I'm going to read his tweets. Thank you to Ramosin for the honest polling. Just hit 50%, which is higher than cheating Obama at the same time in his administration. And cheating with a it, no, no G. What a terrible person he is. Still rising. Ramosin poll shows Donald Trump approval ratings now at 51%. Fight part, big government. And here's his other one just hit 50% in the Robinson poll, which is much higher than President Obama at the same point. With all the phony stories and fake news, it's hard to believe. Thank you, America. We are doing great things. He just hit 50% on April 3rd, was still rising to 51% on the 4th, and just hit 50% again on the 14th. What's implied there is that at some point, the polls had gone back down. After all, if you just hit 50%, went up to 51%, and then hit 50% again, the second time hitting 50% seems like it's headed in the other direction. But this, too, is just Trump cherry-picking. That 51%, for example, wasn't the day after Trump had hit 50%. He was at 50% on April 1st, 49% on April 2nd, 51% on April 3rd, and 47% on the 4th and 5th. Ramosin is like other is like other pollsters in that it has margins of error. And as such, even similar poll numbers will naturally bounce around a bit. One of the Ramosin polls this month, Trump has been at or above 50% three times, and each time he tweeted about it. No other polls, even from Ramosin, made the cut. And that he has just hit 50% twice makes that clear. Now, please remember... This article is not meant to be a response to Trump's Sunday tweet. Instead, we're confident that it can stand the test of time, holding important lessons whenever Trump tweets about his poll numbers, because the common pattern in such tweets matches that of Sunday's, seizing on an outlier and presenting it as fact. He creates his own fake news! Ah, uh-uh. creates his own fake news! It just makes me want to cry about what's happening because 
I, I just I feel like Roman Reimer right now on uh, the Weekly Review. He does this sighing thing when he gets sad about what's happening in the world. Uh, in 15 minutes, we're going to have LaToya, the Sheriff of Truth, coming in. It's going to be great. Uh, I, I don't want to talk anymore about polls. I just It makes me too depressed. We don't, we don't like you. I don't. Uh, so when you, it's this is a lot of fun. I play a game with um, Google, and um, you just put in a word, and then see like what will come after it. So if I put in Trump, uh, and then these are the things that come out: Trump approval rating, Trump current approval rating, Trump Twitter, Trump daily approval rating, Trump news. So he's really talking about his approval right now. It sounds like he's um, Trump seeks Trump seeks arbitration in Stormy Daniels' case. Trump wants the death penalty for drug traffickers. Trump reacts to Stormy. Trump cameos movies. Okay, so that's all I put in, and it's like it's just sad. Let's see if we put in the word S. Uh, I wanted it to say sucks, but it came out with Trump supporters. Are there still are people? Um, this is crazy stuff. This is out of the U the UK, which is uh, good stuff. This is Trump supporters, or this is Detroit Free Press. This is cool. Trump supporters stand by him no matter what. Uh, and there's, it looks like, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor thy neighbor's wife. Fake news! <laughs> That's funny. Um, it, this guy, it, this is his, uh, it's just a cartoon guy. That doesn't help for the radio now, does it? I was hoping that it would be. Um, here we go. Who are the 49%? Who are the 49% of people that like him? I mean, seriously, right? I. Uh, I'm sorry, guys. I'm. I need. I need Latoya. I can't do it without her. It's too difficult. I should play some music or something. But. Because uh, it just gets too depressing, and I don't want to. I don't want to talk about him anymore. We should talk about something else. And that's the problem: is that because I don't pay attention to the news at all, that's what I rely on Latoya for. Every morning, she gets her her breaking news, and uh, I think that I trust BBC. Don't you guys? Uh, Kim Jong-un is a funny-looking guy. He does not have a good haircut. I don't know what he's doing with his life. Wow, Autistic Boy's Lego Titanic on U.S. display. That's cool. He made a Lego Titanic. That's, that's some good news. Although we like to call them, we like to say they're on the spectrum, but that's cool. Uh, a 26-foot-long, 8-meter Lego cube model of the Titanic built by an autistic boy from Iceland has been unveiled at the Tennessee Museum. 
it's, they, they like to call it being on spectrum, but Binger Carl Brigginson, 15, used actual blueprints of, blueprints of the doomed ship to decide how many Lego bricks it would require. The massive model ship took him over 700 hours and more than 65,000 Lego bricks to assemble. Mr. Brigginson says the model, which has traveled across Europe, helped him with his condition. It took me over 11 months to build the model, and 120 tubes of crazy glue were used in the process, the teenager told the museum in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, where his model is being exhibited. The whole journey has helped me out of my autistic fog, said Mr. Bergenson, who built the ship when he was 10 years old. I've trained myself to be as normal as possible, whatever normal means. After hearing about Mr. Bergenson's project lego subsidized him with a discount on some of his brick some of the bricks needed he also raised money necessary to purchase the bricks through donations from his family and friends who oh, even has lights lights and lego figurines for this replica it's crazy with the help of his grandfather mr brigason created a plan using the titanic's original blueprints to determine the scale i just had to build that amazing ship and there was no doubt in my mind that i couldn't do it Mr. Briggs had said in a TED talk he gave in September 2016. As the bricks went up and it began to rise, it became an obsession, he said. The teenager has spent the last five years touring with the replica in Norway, Sweden, and Germany, and has given press interviews along the way. He told the museum he was painfully shy and rarely spoke when his project began. I was totally unable to communicate when I started the project. Now I'm standing on stage and giving interviews. The toy ship has now arrived in Pigeon Forge, where it will be displayed at the Titanic Museum until 2020. Titanic Museum co-owner Mary Kellogg told the Knoxville News Sentinel newspaper that she first learned of the replica when she received a letter from the boy's mother. There was no place to keep it, Ms. Kellogg said as she recalled the reading. It was going to be destroyed unless they found it a home. The museum says the replica is the world's largest Lego model of the ship that sank the morning of April 15th, 1912. Approximately 1,517 people died after the Titanic hit an iceberg in the Atlantic Ocean and sank on its maiden voyage from Great Britain to New York. Well, that's a happy story. I mean, not the thing about the Titanic, but spoiler alert. Uh, I haven't actually seen the movie Titanic. Not a big Leonardo DiCaprio fan. Uh, but it's one of the things I've never seen because everyone's seen it and I just want to be different. So I'm never going to watch the Titanic movie. I'm the only person. I'm one of the only people. Because fuck that movie. Oh, this is, this is a bummer. Canadian Melina Roberge jailed over cruise ship drug scheme. That sound, wow. Uh, Melina Roberge with Isabelle Lagasse, who was jailed last year. They're really pretty girls. This kind of looks like, um, it sounds like, uh, what's that show? Orange is the New Black. A Canadian woman who helped smuggle cocaine into Australia on a cruise ship has been jailed for eight years. <gasps> oh my God. Melina Roberge, 24 was one of three Canadians who pleaded guilty to the import of 210 pounds of drugs on the MSC process. Ooh, 95 kilograms, 210 pounds of drugs. Wow. Roberge had agreed to pose as a tourist on the trip in exchange for money, a court heard. 
A judge said she was also motivated by the chance to post glamorous travel photos on social media. Australian police discovered a 21 million, oof, uh, 21 million of cocaine in cabins on the ship in August 2016 after it docked in Sydney following a trip around the world. Robert's cabin mate, 29-year-old Isabelle Lagasse, was jailed in November for seven and a half years. André Tiamen, 64, is still to face sentencing over his role in the operation. Authorities have described the drug seizure as the largest Australia has ever, uh, has ever had on a commercial boat or plane. Wow, they show the coke. It's a lot of coke. Wow. Seduced by lifestyle. On Wednesday, New South Wales District Court Judge Kate Trail said she accepted that Roberge was genuinely remorseful and had a good chance of rehabilitation. But the judge criticized Roberge's vacuous decision-making, saying she had been influenced by seeking validation online. She was seduced by lifestyle and the opportunity to post glamorous Instagram photos from around the world, Judge Trail said. She wanted to be the envy of others. I doubt she is now. Uh, the judge said the case highlighted the negative influences that social media could have on young people. Raberge has pleaded guilty to importing a commercial quantity of cocaine. Oh, she's 24. That means that, like, she's going to be out when she's 32. She's going to spend, man, spending her 20s in jail. Oh, man. I, I just, I'm sad for her. But don't take that much cocaine, man. Uh, or any at this point, I don't do. I had a, did a joke last night with somebody. I, um, I don't do any drugs with letters or numbers anymore. Just and you know, weed. I'm just uh, I'm all into the flower power, baby. And uh, you know, occasional psilocybin mushrooms, but no more of that. Like X two K Y Z. When it, when it has letters and numbers together in it, you know bad news so uh here is a little analysis the runaway president trump is the lawyer in chief Ugh. what does that mean oh, this is from cnn the in the byzantine world of president donald trump's legal soap opera is now a daily spectacle that even the national Enquirer might catch and kill if only it could up no that's crazy they make you listen to commercials there's no way to get around it fuck you cnn uh apparently everyone is in on the action except judge judy a fired fbi director who calls the president unfit to serve a new york courtroom drama that features trump's favorite consigliere, consigliere michael cohen stories of pay- payments to playmates and porn stars on behalf of the boss, a race car driving media savvy attorney out to run over Cohen and mystery clients, including Fox star Sean Hannity. <laughs> Everyone's after him. Uh, oh, and there's a special counsel investigating the president on Russian collusion and potential obstruction of justice. justice. It's a complex set of litigation that naturally requires a diverse, high-powered, and specialized team of attorneys, just like the ones employed by special counsel Robert Mueller. Only Team Trump 
Like campaign, Trump is run by a singular leader, the president himself. And as the adage goes, a lawyer who represents himself has a fool for a client. And the president isn't even a lawyer. But Trump doesn't believe that. (laughs) One source familiar with the situation says that Trump believes that all this will eventually collapse on itself since he's innocent personally of any wrongdoing on Russia, as we have all heard. So he's running his own case. In fact, he's the runaway president. Multiple sources who have spoken with Trump or tried to advise him say there is no advice anyone can give that he will take to heart at this point. Oh, he's an insane person. Not one person among lawyers or friends has the mandate to do it. Early on in this saga, Trump's attorneys, John Dowd, who quit, White House Special Counsel Ty Cobb, still there, and Jay Sudokru, now in charge, urged restraint by arguing that the case would be over soon enough and he'd be in the clear. Maybe by Thanksgiving or Christmas or early in the new year. Oops. So now it's not over. And with stormy-like clouds brewing, it's worse. The president feels misled and, says one source, he's not interested in having anyone else in charge anymore. And Trump is fixated on the information the Fed seized from Cohen in a raid last week, according to another source close to the president, who described Trump to CNN senior White House correspondent Pamela Brown as apoplectic over the ordeal. To make matters worse, there is no Trump whisperer to calm him down. There's just a runaway Trump. His attorneys need help and they know it. They've been feeling out potential lawyers and could announce an addition or too soon, according to a source familiar. But as another source adds, no one has the mandate to do anything. The lawyers can try to execute a plan, one source says, but nothing matters until the president goes for it. There needs to be someone who can talk to the president. Multiple sources say there is no ultimate Trump whisperer. There are different whisperers at different times, and none seem to have staying power, save maybe for the family. Chief of Staff John Kelly seems to be receding by many accounts. Hope Hicks is gone. He listens to old friends and ex-advisors, but three sources say this much is clear. He is calling the shots, not just the political shots, but the legal shots. He tweets when he wants to, and he will probably fire when he wants to, despite advice to the contrary. See Deputy Attorney Rod Reinstein. And he, Rosenstein, and he just doesn't want to hear anything, says an ally. The legal team, while continuing to speak with special counsel about the president's potential testimony, which now seems highly unlikely, is a demoralized bunch, although they would never admit it out of loyalty. And why shouldn't they be? They're trying to corral a wild horse, as one source close to the president describes him, into a singular direction. But this wild horse can't be dragged in any way. That's scary. And that's coming from CNN. And they're not traditionally left-leaning. So, like, what the fuck? He won't listen to anybody. He won't listen to anybody. It's just, it's. I guess it sort of embodies the American ideal of, like, oh, fuck you. I'm going to get in my truck and I'm going to get my guns and I'm going to go down there and I'm going to do the fuck I want because that's me. I'm American. You know, the very, like, Ricky Bobby... I'm going to name my kids 
I'm gonna name my kids Walker and Texas Ranger. Uh, I guess this is attractive to some people that he, he don't take nobody's crap. He does. He does. He do what he gonna do. And maybe that's attractive to some people, but boy, I'm more of like um, you know, well, I make terrible decisions, but you listen to people. And then you make your decision. And if enough people are saying, boy, this really, you really got to do that. You probably should listen to them. You know, I'm going to do, I'm going to do, I'm going to do. It's, it's all very sad. Uh, let's hit the other side of the world. Uh, the left-leaning news, shall we? Uh, that's the kind of stuff I like with... Uh, there we go. Uh, oh, God, there's another picture of him, and it's just, I just can't. I can't his, I mean, the worst thing is that he he is so about physical appearance on everybody else. You know, like his beautiful wife, who's not good enough because he wants to fuck porn stars, because you'll never be good enough, even though you're like a supermodel from another country that speaks four languages, you know, you can't listen to you, you have the baby, you're still not pretty enough, I'm going to fuck porn stars. It's very sad. It calls people fat, has called Rosie O'Donnell, has called people, you know, Ariana Huffington saying terrible things, just says terrible things about people, and especially gets on people's looks, and he is the ugliest motherfucker. He is fat, he is orange, and he has fake hair. You can tell on his face that he's getting spray tan because you can see his eyes are like his actual color of white and the rest of him is just, he is an ugly man with a tiny, tiny penis. I'm sure. I really wish that Stormy Daniels would have come out and said like, what, what that, that's, you know, is that the non-disclosure? Is that what the $130,000 was for? Was not to talk about his fucking tiny dick because his ego is so big. Obviously you're trying to compensate for something. Fucking, oh, didn't show anybody taxes. I had to pay taxes this year, you fuckbag. Did you pay any taxes, president? I don't, I, you know, I have to go off at least once. Uh, God, he's just, you know, and I never thought that I would say I missed George Bush, George W. I mean, although he might have been complicit in the 9-11, you know, thing at least uh, I don't know is 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 he was refreshingly honest even though he was you know dumb I guess but what I don't know if he was honest he just looked that way I have no idea anything uh so Stormy Daniels still crazy things happening uh Trump calls Stormy Daniels threat a total con job a non-existent man Trump said of the person described by the porn star in a sketch released earlier President Donald Trump this is I find this very very funny uh President Donald Trump on Wednesday called Stormy Daniels claim that a man threatened her in order to silence her about an affair with Trump was a total con job Referring to a police sketch of the man released a day earlier, Trump retweeted a conspiracy theory that suggests the image actually depicts Daniel's husband. A sketch years later about a non-existent man, a total con job, playing the fake news media for fools, but they know it. Daniel's, whose real name is Stephanie Clifford, 
has said that in 2011, a man approached her and her young daughter in the parking lot and told her to forget about this story. Leave Mr. Trump alone. Oh, it's a beautiful little girl. It would be a shame if any if something happens to her mom, Daniel said the man told her. Wednesday's tweet was the president's second direct response to allegations that he had a sexual relationship with the adult film star. Earlier this month, he said he was unaware that his personal lawyer, Michael Cohen, in 2016 paid Daniels $130,000. Cohen told reporters that he paid Daniels with his own money and the Trump campaign was not involved. The FBI last week raided Cohen's office and reportedly seized documents related to the payment. Daniels told 60 Minutes in March that because of the threat, she signed a non-disclosure agreement in 2016, preventing her from discussing the affair. She's currently suing Trump over the validity of that agreement. She's also suing Cohen for defamation. Why is he responding to things? I, I think that that's insane that he's responding that's it, it seems like a bad a bad uh, a bad deal for him because he shouldn't say anything he should just deny not even deny just let it let it go uh let's see i'm i miss you latoya where are you Wow, toddler shoots pregnant mom with dad's gun in parking lot? Holy fuck! Ha, what? If you didn't have a gun in your fucking car, you idiot. I want gun in my car. I want gun. Fuck. Fuck! The girl had no idea what she had done, and she was very scared, a detective told reporter. A three-year-old in Indiana accidentally shot her pregnant mother, leaving the woman in critical but stable condition, the local media reported. Wow. Wow. The child shot Shanique Thomas, 21, who police said is six weeks pregnant, in the shoulder Tuesday outside a Plato's Closet thrift store in Merrillville. Police said Menzo Brazier, the victim's boyfriend and father of the two kids, ages three and one, left his legal nine millimeter handgun loaded in between the console and his front passenger seat before going into the store, according to Chicago station WFLD. After that, the couple's three-year-old daughter somehow grabbed the gun and pulled the trigger. The bullet went through the back of the seat and struck Thomas in her right shoulder. The girl had no idea what she had done, and she was very scared. Detective Sergeant James Bogner told NBC Chicago. Police said she got out of the driver's seat and collapsed after opening the door to the back seat where the children were. Plato's Closet employee Hadassah Zirkel told WLS that people immediately noticed something terrible had happened. We just heard screaming. We ran outside with a bunch of people. Someone said someone was hurt and bleeding. Brazier reportedly ran out of the store and tried to stop the bleeding until paramedics arrived. He said, did you kill yourself? Why did you do this to me? Store employee Rebecca Todd told WMAQ-TV. He rushed over. He was bawling his eyes out, her co-worker Paloma Priesto said. Employees brought the children into the store and comforted them, while first responders arrived on the scene and transported Thomas to a local hospital for treatment. She was transported to Loyola Hospital in critical but stable condition, WLS reported. Brazier was charged with child endangerment. The two children are now with Child Protective Services. 
a loaded weapon with children in the back seat, a real careless act. Maryville Police Chief Joe Petruk told WMAQ, I hope she survives the gunshot wound. This incident is similar to a 2016 case that happened in Florida. The four-year-old son of a gun rights advocate accidentally shot her while she was driving. I'll, I, you know, I'll put my loaded gun in between the seat. A kid can't get all, you know, those, they have tiny hands. And I bet you're like playing fucking video games with guns all the time at home. So they're like, ooh, guns are cool. Or what is this? Ooh, a gun. Why don't you just not have a gun? God, my First Amendment rights. First Amendment rights. Second Amendment, I'm sorry. First Amendment rights is what we're doing right here, right now, which is telling the news and stuff. But uh, Second Amendment rights. (sighs) So this is the gun rights advocate whose kid accidentally shot her could go to jail. The gun was unholstered and didn't have a trigger lock when the child grabbed it. The Florida mother and gun rights advocate who was accidentally shot by her four-year-old son while driving earlier, this is a couple of years ago, could be charged with a misdemeanor, the Putnam County Sheriff said. Captain Gator, Gator, what a great name, Gator Deloach revealed the details. <laughs> Captain Gator Deloach, <laughs> that's a great name, revealed the details of the department's investigation at a press conference yesterday, including how the toddler ended up with a loaded handgun while his mother, Jamie Gilt, drove the truck. The investigation revealed that Jamie placed the gun, which was not in a holster, under the front seat of the truck sometime during her drive. The gun apparently slid to the back rear floorboard below where her four-year-old son was seated in a booster seat. According to family members, the child recently learned to unbuckle his seatbelt. Investigators discovered the child removed himself from the seat, presumably to grab a toy from the floorboard, saw the gun, picked it up, and accidentally fired through the rear of the driver's seat, striking Jamie. The bullet struck her in the back and exited through her chest. Whoa. Okay. How about, how about don't have guns? No, anybody? I just, I feel like we're, I mean, we're literally going to hell in a handbasket. We've got, we're more interested in our, our president's more interested in telling you about his ego and that I'm better than everyone. I'm better than everyone. You know what I am? I'm better. I'm better. I'm best. I'm the best. I'm the best of the best. I'm the best looking. I'm the best president there's ever been, even though like nothing's happened yet. What has he done? Oh, here's another good one. Unarmed black man killed in mind-boggling barrage of police gunfire. Excessive and unnecessary force. Uh, An attorney for Deontay Yarber's family called it the worst case of excessive unnecessary force he's ever seen. A lawyer representing relatives of an unarmed black man killed in a hail of police bullets in a California Walmart parking lot accuses officers of profiling, stalking, and unjustifiably shooting him. Deontay Butchie Yaber, 26, who had been driving his cousin and friends to a Walmart store in Barstow, died when police fired what a witness told the Guardian sounded more like 30 bullets, more than 30 bullets. A passenger was seriously wounded. They saw a car full of black people sitting in front of a Walmart, and they decided that was suspicious. Lee Merritt, an attorney representing Yarber's family, told the paper. They just began pouring bullets. It's irresponsible. It's dangerous. It's mind-boggling use of force. He said Yarber was hit an estimated two dozen times. The San Bernardino County Sheriff's Department said Barstow officers opened fire 
after the driver of a black Mustang, wanted for questioning and recent crime involvement in a sto- of a stolen vehicle, suddenly reversed in a getaway attempt, crashed into the two patrol cars, and accelerated toward the officers. Police had been sent to the Walmart lot to investigate a call of a suspicious vehicle, the sheriff said in a statement. Officers involved in the April 5th shooting have been placed on paid administrative leave, police said. Dale Galipo, an attorney representing Marion Tafoya, 23, a backseat passenger seriously wounded in the shooting, said officers weren't in the path of the Mustang, so they had no jurisdiction to open fire. Video footage of the car after the shooting shows what appears to be many bullet holes. There's also minor damage to the front bumper and side fender, but it's unclear whether that happened prior to the incident. Yauber's aunt, Alita Yauber, said the car belonged to her son, who was a passenger in the vehicle, and that hadn't been reported stolen. She said her son had not been able to say much of anything since the shooting because it was very traumatizing. Yarber was a loving, caring, and friendly person, said Samantha Robel, Robledo, who has a seven-year-old daughter named Nalia with Yarber. Our relationship was like no other, she told HuffPost. Yarber also has daughters ages nine and one. Yarber's sister, Ruby Hawkins, told The Guardian that police frequently targeted her brother. They are the biggest criminals. They are bullies with badges. I don't know how you can fear for your... I don't know how you can fear for your life with a person that's moving away from you, she said. Merritt, the family's lawyer, wrote on Facebook that the shooting was the worst case of excessive and unnecessary force I have ever seen in my career. The Yarber family deserves answers in the form of transparency by the Barstow Police Department, he said. Body, dash, and surveillance video must be turned over to my office immediately. The San Bernardino County District Attorney must thoroughly investigate and zealously prosecute the gunman involved. Yarber's killing comes amid continuing protests against the Sacramento police shooting of Stephen Clark, also an unarmed black man who was gunned down in the back in his back his grandma's backyard in March. But yes. So yeah, what's going on in the world? We've got kids shooting their parents accidentally and we've got the police not accidentally shooting black dudes and we've got a president who doesn't give a fuck about that at all hasn't really said anything about gun control or violence or um any i mean do, hey do the are there in uh, england i believe that there's no guns uh uh for their police officers police and I'll put England um, guns, question mark. Police use of firearms in the United Kingdom. Why British police don't have guns? All right, see, it's that easy, folks. This is from September 19th, 2012, so it's old. This is from, so six years ago, British police are like, hey, we don't have guns. The deaths of two female police constables have brought into focus the unarmed status of most British police. Why does Britain hold firm against issuing guns to officers on the beat? It's the single most obvious feature that sets the British Bobby apart from their counterparts overseas. 
Tourists and visitors regularly express surprise at the absence of firearms from the wastes of officers patrolling the streets. But to most inhabitants of the UK, with notable exception of Northern Ireland, it is a normal, unremarkable state of affairs that most frontline officers do not carry guns. Unremarkable, that is, until unarmed officers like Nicola Hughes and Fiona Bone are killed in the line of duty. There are always those who question why Britain is out of step with the rest of the world, with the exceptions of the Republic of Ireland, New Zealand, Norway, and a handful of other nations. For a heavily urbanized country of its population size, the situation in Great Britain is arguably unique. Film director Michael Winner, founder of the Police Memorial Trust, and Tony Rayner, the former chairman of Essex Police Federation, have both called for officers to be routinely armed. But despite the loss of his two officers, Greater Manchester Chief Constable Sir Peter Fai was quick to speak in support of the status quo. We are passionate that the British style of policing is routinely unarmed policing. Sadly, we know from experience in America and other countries that have armed officers certainly does not mean, sadly, that police officers do not end up getting shot. But one thing is clear. When asked, police officers say overwhelmingly they wish to remain unarmed. A 2006 survey of 47,328 police federation members found that 82% did not want officers to be routinely armed on duty, despite almost half saying their lives had been in serious jeopardy during the previous three years. In a position shared by the Police Superintendents Association and the Association of Chief Police Officers, the British public are not nearly so unanimous. An IMC poll in April 2004 found 47% supported arming all police, compared with 48% against. In 2007, the center-right think tank policy exchange found that 72% of 2,156 adults wanted to see more armed police patrols. For decades, there have been incidents that have led to calls issuing all officers with firearms. Cases like those of Sharon Bagavinsky shot dead during the robbery in 2005, or the three planes closed officers murdered by Harry Roberts in West London in 1966, or the killing of PC Sidney Miles in the Derek Bentley case of 1952. Few except expect the system to change even after widespread public horror at the deaths of PCs Bone and Hughes. For one thing, incidents such as that in Greater Manchester are extremely rare. Overall, gun crime, too, remains low. In 2010-11, England and Wales witnessed 388 firearm offenses in which there was a fatal or serious injury, 13% lower than the previous 12 months. In Scotland during the same period, there were two fatal and 109 non-fatal injuries during the same period, a decade-long low. Additionally, officers, chief constables, and politicians alike are wary of upsetting an equilibrium that has been mainly throughout Britain's 183-year policing history. There's a general recognition that if the police are walking around with guns, it changes things, says Richard Garside, director of the Center for Crime and Justice Studies. Arming the police force would, say opponents, undermine the principle of policing by consent, the notion that the force owes its primary duty to the public rather than to the state, as in other countries. This owes much to historical foundations of British criminal justice, says Peter Waddington, professor of social policy at the University of Wolverhampton. A great deal of what we take about normal policing was set about early in the 19th century, he says. When Robert Peel formed the Metropolitan Police, there was a very strong fear of the military. The masses feared the new force would be oppressive. 
<laughs> like our police, a force that did not routinely carry firearms and wore blue rather than red, which was associated with the infantry, was part of this effort to distinguish early peelers from the army, Waddington says. Over time, this notion of guns being inimical to community policing and, indeed, to the popular conception of the Dixon of cock green style Bobby was reinforced. While some in London were issued with revolvers prior to 1936, from that date, only trained officers at the rank of sergeant or above were issued with guns, and even then, only if they could demonstrate a good reason for requiring one. Today, only a small proportion of officers are authorized to use firearms. Latest home office figures show there were just 6,653 6, officers authorized to use firearms in England and Wales, about 5% of the total number. Hey, Latoya! Hey! How was the, how was the doctor? Uh, well, I... I need to renew my insurance. Oh no! That's what it, that's what that was all about. Oh, and I don't know why. I like Wednesdays are all usually the best day for me to go, no, like around ten thirty, perfect, eleven. But yeah, insurance, fine. Yeah, guns, guns. Po-po. So this is so funny today. I mean, it's not funny. It's terrible. But um, in Indiana, a three-year-old shot her pregnant mom. Oh God, no! Yeah, because dad goes into the thrift store and uh, leaves his loaded gun in between the seats. No. So dad, so mom's sitting in the, mom's sitting in the, in the driver's seat. Oh my God. Dad puts his gun in between the seat and the console, just popping into the thrift store, just, you know, get whatever. And the child, the three-year-old girl reaches in between the seat, gets the gun, shoots her mom in the shoulder. Oh my God. Uh, I know. And reminiscent of, remember in 2016, the lady who's four-year-old in, in a, in a, what, Florida, her four-year-old shot her. And she yeah. was like a big gun rights advocate. Okay, this is, that's irresponsible as a gun owner. You dumb yeah. son of a bitch. And also, too, you don't put your gun in the council because what if the gun could have, like, went off on his pregnant wife? As he, it I did. Mean, <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, I hate to- I hate to say I told you so, idiots. <laughs> but why do you have a gun? Oh, that packs. <laughs> packs is crazy. That packs. <laughs> packs a punch. <laughs> packs, so packs so, you out. <laughs> so, like, we're, uh, what's happening in America? Like, our our president's an egomaniac <sighs> who has an inflated ego that he needs to tell dick. everybody. I know. Also, I, I, I think the old disclosure agreement with Stormy Daniels is for her to come out and tell us that he has a tiny winky wiener <laughs> because he's so he is so intent on judging everyone else's looks. He owned the Miss USA pageant. Mm-hmm. He loves judging women so much. He has never been an attractive man. Never. And yet, and yet, he ain't got no I, lips. I'm so good. I'm the best. I'm the best. I'm the richest. I'm the smartest. And now his lawyers, he's not listening to his lawyers. He's uh, tweeting willy-nilly. I just hope that he digs his own grave. He's like, I will dig my own grave. I have the shovel. I am grave. the best person at digging, obviously. <laughs> if there is ever a grave to be dug, I could, I do, could it. do it. <laughs> I'll do it the best. <laughs> that is so good. I am the best. I'm the best at hanging my own self. Yeah, he well, he's trying to be his own lawyer now. Oh, by the way, he's not a lawyer. See, now if Obama wanted to be his own lawyer at any point, of course he wouldn't need to because he's an honest, upstanding... And he studied constitutional law. Right, he's a lawyer. lawyer. He's oh. literally... Really a lawyer. God. So, like, if Obama was like, "Hey, everybody, 
I'm gonna gonna if something terrible happened and he had to represent himself, which obviously he never would because he has impeccable integrity and he's amazing as a human being and just all and, all and the way he's, around. He's easy on the eyes. He's easy on the eyes too. Good looking man. Doesn't have a huge ego. Isn't constantly like okay. He's exactly the opposite of our new guy. But he, you can't. He who represents himself in court has a fool for a client. Right? Yes, yes. And we've seen uh, episodes of when episodes. Uh, yeah, I know of the new is, reality TV show called The Presidency. This is a reality show for yeah. real. Um, where people have represented themselves in the court of law and they always lose. Yeah, you can't. You can't how can you? you? Because the thing is, you need the whole point of having a lawyer is having someone outside yourself represent you in the way that you can't. Like, because you, who knows? Who you understands that the law? that studied law. Yeah. That's like me being a, hey, I, I, you know what? I'm going to be a surgeon today. I don't know shit about surgery, yeah. but I feel like cutting someone up and digging up their kidneys. Well, well, here's the thing though. I don't know anything you, about surgery. So, but you've had a period for many years. So maybe you should just be the chief of obstetrics yeah. <laughs> at Kaiser because right. you could just apply for that job right now. Because I as a woman me. having a uterus and having a vagina that does things, I'm sure that you have the qualifications I, yes. to be the chief of obstetrics. I totally do. Absolutely. I don't even know what the fuck that means, but yes, I do. Baby, upset, baby. yeah, baby yeah. OBGYN. But that, that's Fun the whole point. Exactly, that's exactly. Point. No, but that's a, it's the same thing. I'm like, I could be my own. I, if I could be president and I have no idea anything about anything, clearly I could be my own lawyer. Well, you know, his lawyer, well, one of them, because uh, he barely has any Yeah, left. he has like three left in yeah. there. Mm. Well, Cohen, Cohen, oh, yo, did you hear about that bombshell uh, this week? That Okay, so he has... Cohen had three clients. One was um, head of one uh, the uh, RNC chairman uh, who got caught uh, paying $1.3 million to a playmate because he had an affair with one wow. and got her pregnant and she had an abortion. Wow. So that's... Wow. Uh, and we know... Uh, President Cheeto is also one of his clients. The third one, they didn't want to disclose in court. Ooh. The third one, they said they were embarrassed to say, but they, the judge said, you have to tell me who your third client is. Sean Hannity. Wow. That's so funny. So if you know, Sean Hannity has been sucking uh, Cheeto's dick. And now I was just reading that he's also been um, helping Trump with his tweets. Oh, no. Conflict of interest. Yeah. Well, yeah. and the, but uh, if, you, if you read all the other things that they they've been advising him, stop tweeting, stop it, stop it. The the court of public opinion is not a real court. The court is a real court. Court is a real court. The, yeah. The federal system law exists. Now I know you never had to give. I know you didn't have to give us your tax filings. You know and. I, I really they got those probably too after the raid last fucking week. better. It n- nothing makes me more incensed that the, the the president of the United States should be like standing up, waving their taxes in the air, saying, "I am an American. I pay taxes just like you guys. I am part of America. I pay taxes. I pay my." Him. He's because he doesn't because oh well, when you're let me try to do his voice again. When you're as rich as I am, you don't ever have to pay taxes because what you pay is a tax attorney 
so that the money that I would have given to the government actually goes to my tax attorney. So I am a job creator. Do you see? The, the money, Trickled down. Yeah, because the, well, the money that I would have paid in taxes is a job. You give him every dollar he finds and I don't have to pay goes straight to him. Tax attorney. I, dude. Shit is about to go down. I can't. I mean, it's, I can't. It's, I can't wait. I like. It's too much. It's, it's like. Too, is it real? Or is this really? And okay. So here's the thing. This is this is scary. This it does. Listening audience, this does all come together. So today, the things that are converging are um, our presidents and out of control wild horse maniac that won't listen to anyone has no whisperer and is off the fucking rails there are legal things happening and that's going to come to fruition also on the other end I feel like we've got uh, another three we've got gun control issues on both ends we've got unarmed black men being shot egregiously by the police uh, excessive force. We've got gun issues. We've got children shooting their parents with guns, and yet, and yet we're we're so concerned about. I mean, what's the real issue? If this was a real president, if he was a real fucking, if he really fucking cared about the United States, he would stand up and say something about gun control right now. This is happening. Unarmed black men are being shot in their grandmother's backyard. Here's this is a fucking problem. Here's something that a lot of people aren't saying. But it needs to be said. He doesn't care about this country. He, he don't give this country. He cares about his pockets. But he's so dumb that he doesn't understand that by not giving a goddamn is going to affect his pockets. Yeah. And it's just like I don't understand the whole Republican Party. I just don't understand the fact of like your so-called trickle-down economics and your tax cuts aren't benefiting. Okay, so you're you're getting your donors paid off. Good, great. But in the long run, it's going to hurt everybody. It's going to hurt your pockets. You want to keep your millions and billions of dollars, but you ain't going to keep anything because everything that you're doing with the economy and by hurting the little common man and the, or excuse me, woman, yeah, uh, yeah. and the middle class is going to there affect is no you. Class. You can't, you can't have, listen, if I'm a CEO of a, uh, a company and I, I manufacture products, if I'm getting my tax cut and I'm, you know, buying whatever lot or yacht or whatever thing that I want to get with my money, if I'm not helping the middle class and the poor buy my products because I have my tax cut, how's that going to benefit me in the future? When they're here's, poor, they don't have money to buy my, here's, my shit. Here's what, this is what the Republicans... I Republican, just went on a rant. No, Sorry. it's good, it's good. This is what the Republicans would say about that. Well, you see, you see, Mitzi and I, we, when we bought our second yacht, really were job creators because we had to have, you know, a boat captain and we have to have someone pump the bilge, you know, and then the chef, the chef on board, of course. So really what we're doing is we're job creators, the people where we slip, where we slip our yacht, you know, they, we put it in the slip, of course, you know, we have to pay that. So please, we are job creators, you know. Um, <laughs> Um, so, but this goes into what's actually, th what's trickling down right now is racism and hate and scary stuff. Let me tell you, tell you, tell yo <laughs> about um, hashtag El Toro Race Wars uh, 2018. El Toro is an amazing Mexican restaurant here in the Mission District, 17 in Valencia. 
every if you've ever listened to this show for the many years you'll have heard me talk about before the happy hour special is phenomenal she liked to go there it's a dollar fifty taco right you can get you can get one taco for a dollar fifty and you get free chips and their salsa bar is great they've got little radishes you can like if you only have a dollar sixty eight you can get like a carnitas taco and they put a lot of meat on it and little beans and then this salsa bar and you can get like a jalapeno that's grilled and some things and the chips and like it is you could scrape that money from in between your couch cushions and go to el toro anyways so el toro on 17th of valencia is next door to a funeral home so in when jonathan and i get there we get in line the line's pretty long because these people have just come from a funeral and they're cute little girls they're little black girls and they're wearing these cute little pink dresses and they look so cute but i was just like i like kind of knew it was it was a friday so i knew it was sad that they were at a funeral i just assumed this i didn't say anything or anything but it was a big family that's lovely so big family they're all sitting down we're all in line and jonathan and i are pretty hungry it's like 3 30 we haven't eaten yet today but we're just like being patient everything's cool and one guy kind of like cuts in with the rest of his family and the line is out the door. And he, like, just kind of walks in the other door and cuts him with his family. And we're like, okay, that's cool, whatever. But they're getting a huge order, but they're all paying separately. And the first girl is up there, part of the family, they're paying, everything's fine. But then one of them, she doesn't understand, and either does this guy the way it works, is that they make your food and then they pass it down the line. And then the order your food comes in is how you pay. But the girl is trying to pay for her food that's not there yet. So she's telling the lady, and she's like, this isn't the way it usually works. And then his tacos are behind our tacos. So then he's like, next in line. He's like, those are my tacos over there. She's like, no, no, these guys are next. And he's like, "Uh uh-uh. And she's like, sir, you're cutting the line. This is what we do. And he's like, I'm not cutting the line. Am I cutting the line to us? And I was like, well, kind of. You kind it's not the way it works here like they, the food is in line not us like we're not in line the food's in line he wasn't getting it he starts yelling at the Mexican we don't even know if she's Mexican the, the Latina lady behind the counter he's like that's why we're building a motherfucking wall to keep you people out you're so stupid he's like you can't figure out how to get your order right you're so stupid this is he's yelling at her he's like I can't believe it I'm not even gonna tip you because this service is so crappy I'm like it's fucking El Toro it's taco it's taco time everybody oh, have a good man. time everybody I, have a good time it's taco time it's Dollar fifty taco time. So he's going off in front of us, and then he starts yelling at Jonathan. He's like, "You guys say I cut the line. I didn't cut the line. This this stuff is terrible." And Jonathan's like, "Hey man, you're being a racist. That is not cool." And he's like, "Are you fucking kidding me? I'm not being a racist." He's like, "The service here is terrible. You don't know what's going on." Anyways, finally. Like, Jonathan speaks in Spanish to the lady, and I say, lo siento, like, I, I love you guys. I'm sorry that happened. We didn't mean to do anything. But he was, like, calling her stupid and saying her customer service was terrible. We gave her a big tip. We gave her, like, a $20 tip or something. But, because we were like, so then, it's not over yet. Then we sit down, and we're trying to enjoy our tacos, and the guy, the African-American gentleman, and here's where I come in. I'm an empathy person. I'm like, he just came from a funeral. He's sad. He's taking it out on us. But as he's walking out, he looks at Jonathan and he goes, hey, man, you better thank God that that police station is right across the street. And Jonathan's like, oh, man, fuck you. I don't believe in God. But are you threatening me? Are you threatening me in El Toro? What are you saying? Are you saying that if there wasn't a police station across the street, that there something would happen here? He picked the wrong white boy that day. Think, and I'm sitting there going, Jonathan, Jonathan. <laughs> He's, He's like, not the one. So then, and then Jonathan's like, you racist fuck. And then starts speaking in Spanish really loudly. And all the people are like laughing behind the counter and stuff. Because he's like, speak, because he speaks fluent Spanish. And like, so it was El Toro Race Wars fucking... 2018 
And so, like, I get it. They came from a funeral. But that, I'm not going. I'll let you finish. But So I have a little empathy. But the thing is, like, that's what's happening in our country now is that things are getting so divisive that even fun things like $1.50 tacos turn into, like, what, like, black people don't like Mexicans and you're allowed to do that. And then Jonathan calls you racist and then you call us. Like, what? what's going on? All right. Yeah, please de- I, debrief me. I have I have an issue when there's uh, the P, uh, you know, people of color on color violence. I do, especially in a time like this. Um, I don't like when coons do that shit. That that was a coon. That was a coontastic coon, and I, I'm not giving him the benefit of the doubt because somebody, one of his family members or friends, uh, were dead. I, fuck that. Fuck that. I, I that, that that really pisses me off. See, this is <clears throat> this is a issue I have with uh, certain. Uh, I'm gonna say African Americans because not all black people are like this. Um, not knowing that their Latino brothers and sisters could be your grandmother or your grandpa or your tia or tia or your primo. You, you know, and, and the thing is. How dare that motherfucker even mention a wall? The wall. Nigga, he trying to lynch you too, you dumb <laughs> fucking coon. That's what I was, like, I was like. I'm like, are, are you really using Trump's greatest hits right now on a Latino? Yeah, are you serious? I know. And Nigga, get working, back to the field. <laughs> they were working so hard back there. The ladies were fucking sweating uh, it out. They were sweating. Get they were doing taco. Feet. The line is out the door. They don't see the end in sight. And they're moving these tacos. And he just cause problems and it was sad and I was I was and there were children with him and I just kept thinking I just don't want children to see this behavior and think that that's how and things are it. and they see it and they see it and they see it and so like thanks brother for keeping up that stereotype good job yeah I mean I anyways it was it was upsetting and Jonathan was like way to back me up there and I'm like I'm not gonna back you up I'm gonna be the person that's like I don't I don't I'm sorry I didn't we didn't we're sorry we're white I'm like I've got years and years of white guilt okay it's cool you can like he could have said anything he wanted to me he could have called me a white bitch he could have but don't don't mess don't mess with my Latina ladies my buddies my el toro dollar 50 taco buddies but this is i mean been feeding me for 10 years i love these ladies just because you don't understand um and see this is always such a disappointment because we already have the stereotype of that we're angry we're violent we we threaten people we're threatening people right and i i'm just trying to like squash that whole stereotype but here again we got a field nigga that has to act all mad niggerish and shit yeah i'll say it i don't give a fuck i can't stand look chris rock said there are black folks and then the niggas yeah and he is on the nigga spectrum and <laughs> some so of those i mean that. and the thing is it's it's, it's because i'm sorry that you didn't get any culture I'm sorry that you don't understand how certain things go and you get mad at that and you want to lash out. I'm sorry that you're a fucking walking stereotype. And I and the thing is, Pam, I, I'm sorry that you had to see that stereotype of coonery. <laughs> 
I would, it gets, it get, I get so angry. I get more angry at that than racist white people. Cause racist white people, I'm just like, y'all just are fucking dumb. I don't get it, but whatever. But I hate as black folks, you know what it's like to be persecuted. How dare you say something like that to another person that's going through the same shit that you're yeah, going through. It's, there's a lot of, yeah. Uh, read it's, a fucking book. Damn. It's crazy. So here was another thing that always happens to me on the bus. But And I thought this was kind of cute. I didn't really get it. But there was a lot of space on the bus. And um, two gentlemen, rather than sit next to each other and talk, one sat here and there was a space between us. And then the other one sat here next to me. And then they had a conversation in front of me. And I was like, do we... And I was reading my book, so I didn't really care. But they were being really loud. And I was like, why did we Why did we perch ourselves on either side of me when we could have sat next to each other in a seat? Did you, were you worried about, what were you worried about? Were you worried about looking gay because you were sitting together? Were you worried about, what did you, were you trying to involve me? Because I was just reading my book. I was like, I don't, I'm not even, <laughs> I'm just, I'm not even going to look up. I just don't even care. But it was sort of perpetuating a stereotype of like, we're loud and we don't give a fuck. Yes. But, but the thing is, I mean, and then, and it's, and the thing is, it's not true. It's, 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 it's always the bad. Oh, God damn it. And I don't want to have like, but I mean, stereotypes exist for a reason. Like I don't do yoga, but I'm a white, like, you know what I mean? Like there are, there are tons of assumptions that one can make when you, when I'm holding a baby stroller, people can make all kinds of assumptions depending on how I'm dressed. They could be like, fucking uppity, yoga pants wearing, Hayes Valley mom, too old mom, probably artificially inseminated, that white bitch with all her money. And it's like, okay, yeah. so you're assuming things about me that aren't true, but I get it. Like, cause that's kind of a, you know, 40 something white ladies with cute butts pushing children <laughs> in strollers ha, it's like oh your husband works what do you, what do you, he has a new app he has a tech startup and you just get to what hang out with your kid all day like what are you gonna go you're gonna go get a fresh uh, a, a cold a cold pressed coconut water for eight dollars you're gonna i'm gonna get one of those pressed juices for six dollars yeah with the beets right Sure. That shit is delicious. Oh, no, they're so good, but it's so expensive. It's like, I I mean, I need one of those uh, Vitamix juicer machines or whatever. But I'm sure, I'm sure people think that like, as you're walking down in the mission or what have you, they're probably like thinking, you know, oh, here's Miss Gentry. Well, depending on how I'm, depending on how How I'm dressed. dressed. Yeah. 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 But it's hard to tell because all the hipsters kind of dress like me or whatever. Well, and I mean, I but the thing is, it's, I, uh, you're right. Stereotypes happen for a reason, but I, you know, just being a, a black woman, I don't, I don't fit any of those stereotypes. I know a ton of my people that don't fit those stereotypes, but yeah. there's always got to be that fucking coon that always has <laughs> to fucking you. ruin it and be like, see, look what you did. You dumb nigga. Damn. I gotta. I guess I gotta go shuffle and jive a little bit and tap dance. No, I'm not. I would never do that. Actually, I can't. It's hard for me to tap dance and shuffle and jive. Um, but it's. I. Hello, I, my baby. Yeah, Hello, my. I sometimes darling. have to feel like I have to explain when I don't. I shouldn't have to explain. Yeah. And and that's the sad thing. And I don't. I'm. I'm tired of explaining myself. But and but here's it's the so thing. Exhausting. In the bigger picture, there is this trickle down of social thought in that our president doesn't give a fuck 
and he's wild. He's like, he's like, I'm gonna do whatever the fuck I want to do, which is a very American thing. Sure. I think he taps into a lot of that stuff. But yeah. the bummer is that he is a racist misogynist, and that is trickling down to the rest of our society. So, although I don't believe in trickle down economics, I do believe in like trickle down, down thought. Like, the, the, like the thought the. He's putting it out there that it's okay to be racist. It, oh, yeah. It, and, and That's what his whole, I mean, that's what he ran on. So that's really scary because it trickles down to us here in the streets trying not to get in fights in El Toro during, like, happy hour taco time? Is everyone just be fucking patient? Are we really, really, we're getting in a fight, we're calling people racist over, about, of what? Five, the five extra minutes you had to wait to eat your taco that was way too cheap? First world problem. The way, I mean, exactly. But if that's what's happening, if the feeling, if the gestalt of society is, this is my fucking war and I'm taking it. This is my taco. It's like, <laughs> it's, it, it shouldn't. I mean, it. The thing is, it shouldn't be trickling down to any person of color. And that, when you hit that level, I'm like, whoa, that's pretty fucking scary. Cause you're just as you're no better than those crackers that I always talk about that are Trump loving supporters who are fucking racist. So you you should go fly your Confederate flag with those motherfuckers. I mean, I really think that it comes down. Ugh. It comes down not to the color of one's skin, but to the amount of money in their wallet and their. Bank account. It, it, it is and about until, classism. And until we like can say, hey, you're to the people at El Toro, you're working too. I see you working hard all the time. That is awesome. Thank you for doing work and for, but they should be valued more. I mean, I mean, I, I, it's, but I mean, there's also, it's the, it's not the color of your skin. We have to band together and say, the, the people that have their thumb on us help help and being oppressed like there are our oppressors and now we're giving them guns and letting us shoot us in the right. streets and that's the thing is that right now hey it's just black guys so just unarmed black guys but when it's does it false. change to just poor people it's mostly white people that kill people I mean I, who has the gun who can afford the guns I, I would think that yeah, it would we be we usually white get ours people. on the black market y'all get y'all's at gun shows on the black market but I'm <laughs> Uh, but I will say this, there is, you know, uh, being African-American, um, which is different to me than being black, because, again, you have different types of black folks. Um, there our society being kidnapped and brought to a place 400 years later has taken a toll on you and we are still being oppressed. So when you tell a person no, when they've been hearing no for so long or being told that no, they can't do that, there's something that ticks in us because we've been told no the majority of our life. Ah. And I think that's mm. something that happens. And you know, I'm not even gonna just say African-Americans. I think there's something, you know, when you've been oppressed as a culture, as a people for so long, you don't want to hear no. I, I feel that way about being a woman. Yeah. I feel that way when people say that there's something I can't do that I'm like, fuck you, I can't do that. Are you fucking kidding me? Right. Like when I, it I, I work to... out of spite sometimes, yeah. but and it's because when it's unnecessary too. But it's... Or when it, but it's a perceived thing. Like you're a little girl, you can't do that. Well, you're black, you can't do that. I mean, it's a very similar yeah. thing. You're not allowed here. You're not. No girls allowed. I can't go to Starbucks. <laughs> could you? I mean, Ooh. can you imagine? I mean, can. 
like the 30s. I, Could you imagine living in the 30s? Fuck no, I don't ever want to go I, back. No, I mean, I can't. I just, the concept that there were separate entrances for people is so horrifying and offensive. But it was the same way, it's still the same way for women. Women don't get to go in a certain part of the Islamic Listen, temple. You, you know what happened in Starbucks, right? What? About, oh, you don't know. Uh, you should look it up. It's uh, it a racist Starbucks. Yep. Uh, uh, two two brothers were just waiting at Starbucks because they're about to have a meeting. Because who doesn't have a goddamn meeting at Starbucks absolutely. and not buy shit? But uh, the one of the gentlemen was uh, asked to use the bathroom, and I guess um, she didn't give him a key or whatever. So they were waiting, and the manager called the popo on the uh, black gentleman because um, they didn't they didn't the, order the, anything. Yeah, exactly. You're gonna you're and, gonna call the police because someone didn't order something. What, and they, they said, and, they, and the manager said that they were trespassing. And then come to find because he has dreadlocks. <laughs> Do you have the picture? Yeah, of the, the yeah. picture of him. <laughs> um, and come to find out, they were waiting to invest in property. One of the guys that they were talking to, some white guy, everything was caught on tape too. This is crazy. Um, and the, our, you know, our white allies were like, you know, why are you arresting them? There were six officers there to arrest two men. They did nothing. Who were very calm, and they arrested them at Starbucks. You, you, yeah. Is this the one about reparations coffee? No, no. Oh, no, no, no. It's um. This was this was five hours ago. Viral video sees black man enter Starbucks demand free reparations coffee. Oh, that. There's a huge catch. No, that's a uh, that's not it. Uh, you look up a two. Two Philadelphia Star. Yeah, Philadelphia Starbucks. Or uh. Video captures second racist Starbucks incident in Los Angeles. Oh, that's a new one. Oh my God! Another, what is going that's, on that's with Starbucks and racism? Oh, are we afraid of black people? That's it's, but yes, that's the thing. That's what's happening is that our, our government now is coming from the top, from the tippy top, is saying we went from having a black president. But it's always been there, Pam. To, it's but never, it's now it's, just, it's so it's, it's just so in your face more. It's so in your face. It's like it's like this that, is crazy. That's what's making America great again. Making that's America how, great again with racism. Put some seasoned salt on that. <laughs> do, 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 do. This is crazy. A new video has been released on social media showing a Starbucks manager alerting authorities to get a black man removed from a Los Angeles store. Before the video began, the man was allegedly denied the bathroom code and told that he had not yet made a purchase. Uh, okay. Oh, dang it. It's got clickbait everywhere. Um... Yeah, the, the, I read about this one this morning. This is another one that happened in L.A. But there was one that happened uh, on Thursday uh, in Philadelphia. I can't believe how many there are. This is nuts to me. So we've got two days ago in Los Angeles it happened. And then we have uh, Women's March leader suggests Jewish rights group working with Starbucks is racist against blacks 19 minutes ago. Um, Starbucks in L.A., bathroom incident... Racist customer advice, Applebee's, Starbucks, and more. <gasps> uh, wow. Uh, there's so much. I voted for Trump. White man screams at black Starbucks. Oh, I, I, I that's uh, from, I remember that one. Oh, here, here's the oh Starbucks, uh, Starbucks race, racial bias. So, let's see. Do, 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 do. Philadelphia. So, let's see. To the arrest of two Starbucks. Um, do do do. Sorry. All right. Here we are. Here we are. 
<clears throat> the men were denied use of restroom because they didn't order food or drinks. The store manager called the police and when they refused to leave, explaining they were waiting for a friend as the video rolled, the friend arrived as police led the pair away in handcuffs. They were later released uh, nine hours later, by the way. <gasps> nine uh, and hours then they for hanging out in a Starbucks? Yeah. Uh, oh my waiting God. for a friend. Um, yeah, they weren't charged with anything. Duh, they getting sued. Yeah. Starbucks on Tuesday said it will close more than 8,000 company-owned stores in the U.S. And its corporate office on May 29th conducted anti-discrimination training for one day. Wow. Yeah, because, you know, you could get rid of that wow. racism in one day. Uh, wow. But, yeah, so that's what happened in Philadelphia. And these guys were meeting up. They were buying property. They, they were, were buying- having yeah, these those dudes had some money, and they were coming to. That sucks. That that's one of the stereotypes that <laughs> is attributed to African American people is that they're all poor. That uh, sucks. And poor. That fucking or, sucks. Or we gotta hustle. Are we that drug fucking dealers? Sucks. Yeah, it, it's it's yeah. So that fucking sucks. It, the fact that we have to rob and steal and cheat in order to get ahead, or you, you were up to no good, so you know, let's get kicked out of Starbucks. Like they didn't even listen to them saying, "Hey, no, really, we're waiting. We're having a meeting, a business meeting. We're just waiting." Yeah, and we're then, gonna wait till he arrives to to get something. There's nothing wrong with that. People do that all the fucking time, There's and even wrong some with of that. the the woman that was filming the whole incident even said, "I come there and wait for my kids, and I don't ever buy anything there all the time." Yeah. A lot of people, I mean, do you know how And then what's the what's the time? Like, if you buy a coffee and you sit and read your book for three hours or use their Wi-Fi, this are you allowed to do that? Do you have to buy, do you have to no, buy a coffee every 30 minutes? No. Do you have it, to buy a snack? No, it was the, the fact that these guys were black. It's because they were black. No, yeah. absolutely. It was just, you know. This, this, is, this is fun. From Applebee's to Starbucks, horrific stories of racist customer service. From Atlanta to Harlem, this happens all over the country. Yeah, I like to hear these. Yeah, the right to being served is something black folks have battled over for years. From sit-ins at Woolworths to fighting against segregated areas, many white businesses needed the law to be forced to serve people of color. God, it's happened to me so many times. Uh, that's... Uh, for uh, what? Uh, it's happened to me here. No, it, and uh, it my, happened to me here at Fisherman's Wharf. And my buddy, my our buddy Poji, old dumb face, has said that in Indiana at the deli he used to work at, they had a nice African American gentleman, and they had to put him in the back because people, when he was at the counter, the lo- his line there'd be nobody in line, and the white girl who'd be on the counter next to him would have a line that was out the door, and he'd be like, "I can take your order," and people wouldn't go to him. This is like in 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 Missouri now like yeah now well and so they they said well, we have to put him in the back because people literally I was like he was trying to explain to me how crazy the racism out there is and I was like oh but you get it here Pam because I'll tell you a little quick incident that happened here when my brother and his friends were here at Fisherman's Wharf I was taking them around the city they wanted to go to Fisherman's Wharf we went to a nice restaurant it was a bunch of old white folks up in there uh, and they all looked at us. It was like six of us. And they're like, oh, it, it, it's like you would hear a pin drop yeah. when we walked in. So oh we got God. a table for six. Yeah. Couldn't get served. Everyone's just looking at us. And like the, and the server who was, he was kind of crack-ish anyway, was like, what can I get you guys? He was just like not trying to hear it from us. And we're like, well, we need time to figure out. And he was just trying to rush us. And he's like, it's going to be a 45-minute wait for your food. Basically, like, trying to basically get us out. Wow. You know? And we're like, 
Uh, and I'm like, sir, you don't have to tell us that. I work in the service industry. Okay, we're just trying to figure out what we want to drink. And so we're all looking like, are we having a racist moment right are we having And a we're just moment? like, and I'm getting mad, but I'm starting to laugh a little bit. Oh my God. And then my brother's trying to calm me down. And I'm like, and the guy was just like, I'm like, he was just so rude and trying to ignore us and, and I'm like you know I, I like our to, money's no good here and yeah. it's probably way overpriced and I not mean, that great it was it was overpriced he and I'm like I need to speak to the manager this is ridiculous and the yeah. way you're treating us is you're not treating any of these people like this and the whole room like saw it and they're like like these people came here to cause trouble because they're niggers. Uh, but yeah, but, you, I mean, read, you read their thought bubbles. Exactly. And I'm just like, you know, we're, we weren't hooping up. We're, the way I'm talking is the way I'm talking. Like we felt very disrespectful. We didn't even put in a food order. Um, he did not come back to our table. And I let them know again that did you I leave? Was, Oh yeah. I, you know, so you stayed, you were there for about a half hour and you were finally like, fuck this place. Yeah. You got it it was, it was, it was terrible. And it was the first time my brother had came to San Francisco and he's probably oh. from Missouri. Oh. So it was, I was just like, it's like the racism <laughs> follows me. It's, it's like, it doesn't matter where you are. Um, but yeah. we end up, you know, we left him $5 just to say a fuck you. Yeah. Like, you know, like Thanks you probably for the water. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, you probably weren't expecting this, but I'm just going to throw that just to make you let you know that here's your fucking five dollars which you probably weren't expecting zilch from us but there you go have a nice fucking day so and then you just went to in and out where it's much yeah, quicker and everybody's we went nice. elsewhere but then we laughed about it yeah and uh, it's ter- it's terrible that you experienced that i am when my my husband and i not the first we never class. we never i never felt it from people that we were an interracial couple like i never we never went anywhere like that never happened to me when we were together i don't remember any time no i was there when he got discriminated against but i never felt a part of it the, the police would just pull him over all the time oh that's that's good enough but because because his car squealed and it was belts and they thought that he, they'd always be like why are you squealing your tires coming out? he's like i'm sorry it's the belts it's an old no, 280 he, zx he was a black dude too. he was black dude too uh so that said, we've all experienced waiting too long for food. The waiter cl- clearly doesn't like you or the assumption that you won't tip well. Mm-hmm. Therefore, dining or shopping while black can often be as bad as shopping while black. Yep. <laughs> um, here's just a few recent examples. In February of 2018, two black women at an Applebee's in Independence, Missouri, were racially it's profiled. City. They were accused by a white waitress of dining and dashing, and the cops were called. See the viral video below. What? Because of the outrage from the video, the Applebee's location shut down. See the statement from <laughs> Applebee's. Nice. We recognize the hurt and pain caused by the recent incident at an Applebee's restaurant in Independence, Missouri. We very much regret this occurred and sincerely apologize to our guests and community. After an internal investigation, in line with our values, the franchise terminated the manager, server, and another employee involved in the incident. We do not tolerate racism, bigotry, or harassment of any nature, and we have taken additional steps to close the restaurant at this time Damn. in order for the team to regroup, reflect, learn, and grow from this. We are reaching out to the guests involved to apologize directly. We know rebuilding trust with those affected by the incident will take time, and we look forward to finding resolution in the coming days. Let's Let's watch. This. I'm, yeah, I'm curious now. Oh, I don't. I don't think it'll reach. Um, no. We we can uh, here. I'll I'll do I'll do this. 
So. This is, we're gonna get janky right here. We're gonna get it. Get get janky with, with it. Oh, shit. shared on Facebook now seen by over 2 million people. You're doing your job but this restaurant is not doing its job because if she's positive that she's seen us we haven't been at we have this on me. After an hour into their meal Alexis Bryson and a friend say they were approached by a police officer, an Applebee's manager and a mall security guard. That's when they were accused of dining and dashing a day before. In the video, they repeatedly deny it. We have not been here. Backlash on social media was swift, and Applebee's launched its own investigation. Days later, Applebee's says the franchise terminated the manager, server, and another employee involved in the incident. Back to that video, you can hear the officer finally allow the two women to leave, but first they had to pay for that unfinished meal. What they're telling me is is that they want you to go ahead and pay your bill and leave and not come back. Okay, that's perfectly not fine. Whoa. I've been to that Applebee's. That's an independent mall. <laughs> that shit's closed down. <laughs> wow. Okay, so here's that's 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 that one. This is IHOP. On oh, March, I used to work there. You did? Yeah, I don't know. She's so big. On March 11th in Auburn, Maine, a white teenager named Avery Gange posted on Facebook that he saw a group of black teenagers being told to prepay their meal writing we paid and sat there for a few minutes and i heard an employee tell the tables that they were going to need to pay up front and it was a new generation thing i kept thinking to myself that i have been to many restaurants with my teenage friends and have never had to pay up front i called over to the group and asked them if they were seriously being asked to pay up front and they said yes he continued so my father mother and i stood up and began to question why this was happening I myself was already quite worked up as I knew exactly why this was happening. The woman who requested they pay up front came over and began to tell us how it was, uh, what the management had asked her to do as they had had walkouts, etc. She then looked at my parents and I and said, it's not because of their color. <laughs> See full post below. <laughs> Okay, I will say this. As someone that worked at IHOP all four years of high school, um, we would sometimes get a bunch of teenagers from Hazelwood Central. This is high school in St. Louis. And they were fucking assholes because they would not tip. And they would come, the basketball team would come, and some of them would dine and dash. So yeah, I can understand terrible. sometimes. But don't that's that is that was some reason. No, it's though. um yeah def that definitely. Some, but it, teenagers. The thing is, all teenagers have, are assholes. Yeah, I don't have to be ageist. If you're under eighteen, I mean, you just have to watch your table really well. The problem is yeah. if you get, but at, a, at an IHOP, it's kind of hard. I mean, but you have a lot of people there. That's the thing, though. It's an IHOP. At least there's a there's enough staff that yeah. someone's gonna notice. Someone's gonna notice you being tricky, and that is then a training issue. It's not. Yeah, it, you should never true. have to prepay at a restaurant yeah, that has just, a that's weird that's just so fucking obvious like these niggers aren't gonna pay <laughs> the server was suspended for a week without pay after the manager confirmed she demanded a group of black teens pay up front the location uh. temporary closed but reopened houston steakhouse 
In October, Love in Hip Hop Atlanta stars Deborah Atney and Mama D said their party of seven was denied a seating at Houston's. Rapper TL or TI led a protest (laughs) writing on Instagram. Okay, so I've heard four different stories from four different sources about discrimination against us at two separate Houston Steakhouse locations in my city. T.I. boycotted the restaurant, which was effective, causing at least one Houston's in Atlanta close. See the report below of the restaurant getting caught refusing to serve black customers. I heard about that one. That was last year. Yeah. Yeah. we could listen to a thing, but it's okay. Angel of Harlem. On February 10th, 2018, Tara Fitzgibbon and a group of her friends visited Angel of Harlem restaurant in Harlem. What? According, in Harlem? Yeah, right. According to the New York Daily News, they were at the bar. A manager came up behind them and demanded to know how they were planning on paying. Nigga, you in Harlem? You were here last week and ran up a tab and left, the manager said aggressively. This was Tara's first time at Angel of Harlem. She, The site continued. Fitzgibbon says the manager flipped out, snatched a menu from her hands, banged on the bar, and accused her of lying. The manager yelled that he had a video of Fitzgibbon dining and dashing at the restaurant a few days earlier, making the restaurant turn dead quiet. Tara said they were beyond embarrassed and felt dehumanized. The manager, who was described as white or Hispanic, pulled out his phone and showed Tara... Uh, and her friends, a group of black women who looked nothing like them, dining and dashing. As the manager kept accusing her of lying, Fitzgibbon said to her friend, Tamara Young, exclaimed, What? Do all black people look alike to you? The manager subsequently yelled at Fitzgibbons and her friends to get out. They then left the restaurant and were considering legal action. However, it didn't stop there. A woman in a Yelp review claimed she also visited Angel of Harlem on February 10th and a bartender tried to overcharge her. (laughs) Allegedly, the bartender said her boyfriend had been stealing drinks from the counter and that's why they were charged more. When the customer asked why they weren't kicked out if they were stealing drinks, she claims the bartender responded with, I'm from Europe, bitch. Oh, my God. In Harlem. Starbucks. Most recently, a Starbucks employee called the police because two black men were doing what scores of people do at Starbucks, using the coffee shop as a meeting place without making a purchase. The men were arrested and in jail for eight hours. There are calls to boycott Starbucks. Watch the viral video. Um... Starbucks has apologized, but the damage has clearly been done. If you are racially profiled or see someone being racially profiled, pull out your phone and document it. Every restaurant needs to be exposed if they don't want our money or support. Amen. Yep. Oh, man. I can't believe that. That's the norm. But this is what I I mean. This is what our whole show is kind of been about is what's happening right now in America. And these this we're at a racial crux right now we are at like but the the beginnings of a race war when, when are people gonna it's here's the thing it, it, it's always been there and it's it, it's it's just at a boiling point or it's just you know making america great again um <laughs> but I, I mean it's 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 never went away the only difference is now that we can film it and we have right. proof rather than because no one believes black people we've been trying to tell y'all but um now that we have video and we've been filming 
things that go on with the police. Right. Things that are going on uh, at restaurants. Uh, the truth know. is there in the video. If you yeah. have a video, like, what are you going to doctor the video? If you're Facebook living, you're fucking Facebook living. Like, that's right. real. Can that be used as evidence? I would hope so. Well, we see it when it's used as evidence. Most police officers get off. Right. Well, Ooh. and their body cams. And that's the thing with the... Um, shooting unarmed black men. We need all of those body cams, door cams, car cams. You need to give it to the lawyers right now to see what really happened in that situation. Because they're okay. It's like one of those things. Hey, you know what a stereotype is? Policemen are shady liars, and they will cover for each other. Oh, I wonder how that stereotype started. That's funny, isn't it? All the cop shows, all the shows, all the movies, all the TV things we've seen about cops being buddies and covering up for their fucking buddies. Oh, uh, the girl was raped and murdered by one of our guys. God, I don't know. Uh, oh, you know, uh, they shot an unarmed black man, and then we drug his body into a field and said that he had a. I mean. Oh my God, all those things that you just said are true. It's it's crazy. They can cover up because they're a boys club, even if there's girls. I, you know what I've been noticing in San Francisco is a lot of black police officers. And I when I see them, my first thought is, like, I'm thinking like, well, it's good that you're here, but you, you really want to be a part of this? Are like, you being you, complicit or are you really trying to change it? Right. Yeah. Because there are, I mean... There are some incidents with uh, black officers killing black men because they also have the very they have the slave master mentality of oh I see a guy, black guy perpetrator perpetrator right you know that that is locked into a lot of because we I, do it in our media because when you look at I mean we've looked at the the Missouri news that Poji sent me and when it's like all of the crimes and they show pictures and they're yeah. all black guys the fear. Yeah, it's just like fear, 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 fear. Scary black guy. And, and scary Mexicans. Why are we yeah. so afraid of Mexicans? I love Mexico. What is wrong? Why can't we be buddies with Mexico? Because they're not white. But Mexico has like, they have great farming. They have great grapes. They have great, they have lots of, I don't understand why we can't like be all buddy, buddy and like super funky, happy friends together. And you know. I wish, I, I just wish everyone would like, watch a movie called Blazing Saddles and just laugh <laughs> at all the stereotypes of how stupid and ignorant human beings are. Yeah. And laugh at it and be like, see, wasn't that dumb? Yeah. What a great movie. Right. Well, I, racism is dumb. It's seriously, it's like it the, is color dumb. Of your, the color of your skin makes you feel better than someone else. Why inferior? And plus, who wouldn't want to be brown or black? I mean, you get to sit in the sun. Yeah. You, yeah. age, you age gracefully. Actually, That's no. True, white, true. Actually, actually, white people are trying to get darker because of you know tanning. Yeah, it's and I, you can tell Trump has a bad tanny thing. Uh, here, Trump oh, bashes God. California on border mission. Brown sees a deal. I want to see what's going on here. President, uh, this is San Diego. President Donald Trump on Tuesday slammed Governor California Governor Jerry Brown's Jerry posture Brown. on sending National Guard troops to the Mexican border, even as Brown said he was nearing agreement on joining the president's mission. The volley of words came after federal officials said Brown rejected a proposal for the California Guard's specific border duties, a characterization that state officials disputed. Looks like Jerry Brown in California Oh, I have to do his voice. Looks like Jerry Brown and California are not looking for safety and security along their very porous border. Trump said in an early morning tweet, he cannot come to terms for the National Guard to patrol and protect the border. He wants to bring the National Guard in to protect the border. Oh, so now we want to shoot Mexicans? Well, I mean, in all fairness, Obama did it too. Okay. But 
I mean, he he's just butthurt because he ain't getting that goddamn wall. I don't I, the wall, and the thing it the wall is such happen. a thing of contention. It's and that the concept that oh my god, we we were building a wall. They're gonna go under the wall. Here's something over the wall, about trebuchet. Let me here's something about Mexicans that some of y'all crackers don't understand. They're really fucking smart, and they'll fucking just dig a hole. <laughs> <laughs> the trebuchets were the thing that I thought was hilarious, that, that people on our side of the border could get hit with just flying pounds of drugs, you know, like <laughs> like the old catapult systems. I mean, I mean, I, you know, it, again, it's the fear of the browning of the United States. So that is what it, what's going on, because a lot of research has shown 2050, whites are going to be the minority yeah. i can't wait till 2050 i just want to see it happen um but and then it's going to be all, our, turn. all our little octoroons yeah it's going to be y'all's turn now <laughs> that's what that's i what probably won't be see. alive you, you, you be think a, i'll be alive in 2050 you'll be alive you'll be I'll smoking be 70 something chair. Yeah, oh yeah do they, they still they won't have rocking chairs they'll be like these weird <laughs> Uh, floating things like um, uh, Brown's office responded with a treat reiterating its public stance that nothing has changed since the governor pledged 400 troops last week and the state was waiting on a response to a proposed contract that would include a ban on any activities related to immigration enforcement. The Democratic governor said California was pretty close to an agreement with administration to join the nation's three other Mexican border states, Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas, for the Guard's third large scale border deployment since 2006. Brown expressed strong disinterest or strong interest in work against drug and gun smuggling and human trafficking, noting that the California Guard already has about 50 troops near the border on such efforts. It's a very logical next step to add a couple hundred more or more than that. And the Guard is chomping at the bit and ready to go. I don't think we'll get there, Brown told reporters at the National Press Club in Washington. Mm-hmm. Republican governors of Arizona, New Mexico and Texas have openly embraced the administration's plans and specific jobs for their troops. Troops, along with Trump's premise to fight illegal immigration and drugs. Troops from Texas are already doing aerial and ground surveillance to assist the border sp- patrol. The Arizona National Guard said last week its troops will provide air and ground support. Brown has conditioned his contribution of 400 troops on avoiding any immigration work, even in a supporting role. Talks with the federal government on what specific jobs that would entail are ongoing. It is unclear how troops would distinguish work related on immigration from drug smuggling and other crimes. Ron Valetio, U.S. Customs and Border Protection's acting, acting deputy commissioner, said Monday that Brown rejected terms to an initial troop rollout that was similar to plans for Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas. But he emphasized that California may contribute in other ways, must still be worked out. Uh, the deputy in the Defense Department's Deputy Assistant Secretary for Homeland Defense Integration, Robert Salesness, said the initial phase had called for 237 California troops. Uh, uh, there's blah, 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 blah. Brown elicited rare and effusive praise from Trump last week when he pledged 400 troops, which helped put the president above the lower end of his threshold of marshalling 2,000 to 4,000 troops for his border mission. The government cast his decision as a welcome infusion of support paid for by the U.S. government to fight transnational criminal gangs and drug and firearm smugglers. The Guard has about 900 troops working on a border mission Monday. A number of changes... Okay, so I get it. Trump made a thing, and he said, "We're going to enlist two to four thousand of our national guard because this border is a problem." <laughs> and Jerry Brown was like, I don't know, I don't know. 
okay, we'll give you 400. So he's like, okay, I get it. Like drug smuggling. There's no reason to drug smuggle anymore because you just smoke pot. No, we first grow of all, here. people get their drugs from pharmaceutical companies. Right, exactly. So that, that I'm worried about. Gun smuggling, I do. I worry about, you know, I, I have gun, gun I have issues with guns. But guns illegally coming across that would be on the black market. I guess that's good to stop. Uh, but the human trafficking thing, that's scary when they that bring people of- over for work and then they say you have to work they basically keep them in a, sort of like as slaves working in yeah. their kitchens and stuff and they have- that to me that is more of a bigger issue than all the the you know the gun smuggling because you can just go get a gun at a gun show yeah. or walmart drugs you just go to your local doctor right but the human trafficking thing but but here's the thing the the government doesn't care about human trafficking no no they care about they just don't they want just people want bar- to illegally come they, over. They just don't want brown people. That's what it is. Right. I mean, would they? Well, they, their argument the- is that their argument is that they come over here and they work illegally, so they don't have the rights that because people can treat them poorly. People can treat them horribly. They can but, pay them nothing. They can pay them by the box or by the piece. Do you hear the them ever talk about Canada? Canada. Do you ever hear them talk about Canada? Like, we're tired of these Canadians coming over here and crossing our border. Ah. Well, will they, do they get them to an immigration or they, but they just don't, they're not looking, ICE is not coming after Canadians. You know, you know why they're not talking about Maybe they would. I know a couple Canadians that are here illegally and uh, Uh I mean, I'm not going to out them. That would be terrible, but I don't see ICE showing up at their church or at their work mm-hmm. or rounding people out at their mm-hmm. children's schools mm-hmm. picking yep. up parents yep yeah Keep, yeah mm-hmm. yeah we need to build a wall to canada no <laughs> you know why they want to build that wall they don't got the complexion for the protection right and plus also too it's like you know again part of the United States was once yeah. called Mexico. Mexico. Now, here's the thing that I don't understand. California? Is that the way that our farms are run here in California, there's no, you know, like Johnny, you know, Smith doesn't, on summer's off, he's not going to go pick vegetables at a farm, no. right? So People we've got, but we've got these jobs that we need to have accomplished. Those raspberries are not going to pick themselves. And there's, and the strawberries, all of the things. But then we don't... Why wouldn't we want them to come and take these jobs that we don't want? And that's another issue. What's that, the problem? Mm-hmm. Bring them over. How do we make them legal? How do we make... How, can't we have like an ID that says, hey, I'm Mexican. I want to work in California. Bada bing. Like... I have a Mexican passport. I am a California worker. What is wrong with that? You've had some politicians who have had illegal uh, immigrants that work for them. Sure, nannies or they got and they got cleaners. outed. Well, and that's yeah. the thing is that like if you housekeepers like I clean I clean houses here and there. Um, and but, we're not saying this is just what uh, brown people do. Right, exactly. Way. But but there, yeah. if they don't speak the language, there's a lot of different... I mean, and from Mexico, some of the best chefs in the world. Uh, when you go to your five-star dining restaurant in New York, the best chefs are from Mexico. The, the guys on the line, they work hard. I mean, and the thing... And it, it's... The thing is now, it's... it. Like you said, people, you know, a lot of Americans don't want to pick berries. And black people definitely don't want to pick berries. We pick cotton. So we're like, <laughs> fuck you. We're not doing this shit anymore. And I don't blame us. I won't, uh-uh, I don't want to do that. Um, and there's a lot of issues going on with a lot of farms because they can't get anybody to 
work for them because right. of what uh, the immigration and what uh, this administration right. has been doing. But here's the thing. Uh, Migrant you know, farm workers. It's yeah, a thing. It's a thing. And the, the whole illegal, you know, with people co- crossing over, I don't even like to say illegal because it's... You can't be illegal from your yeah, own land. Why, yeah, I why do we have that. the borders? When do we decide whose borders are whose and all that stuff? It's like oh, when, they said, when we stole the land from whoever, yeah. mm-hmm. whomever was there. The, the indigenous. Whoever was respecting the land and stuff. We just stole that. pissed all over it. Had an yeah. R. Kelly party with it. Yeah, and but we're doing God's will. You know, we're be fruitful and multiply. Eat lots of fruit. The um, immigration has been down from Mexico. Huh. Uh, I can't wait to go almost, back there for almost a decade. I've never been. <gasps> I'm I'm honestly I've been to like Canada. I'm thinking about I I want to be able to at some point Do you want to live, live in Mexico for a couple months out of the year and just figure out a way. You can do it. I I mean I'd have to figure it out, but I I mean I just if I could live in Mexico for four months a year, oh. Oh, it'd be it. so great. It'd be so great. As I, I'd have to learn Spanish more, but yeah, um, that's no I just, problem. I love Mexico so much. I love the people. Everybody says hi. Everybody works hard. It's amazing. So fuck you, Trump. Uh, hey, everybody. This has been the Altcast. I'm it's so over. glad you're okay. I know it's over. Um, we we're really trying to help you, America. We're trying to figure out the answers. Trying to get you a stop, a bigger vagina. Damn. <laughs> just come on. Can just quit it with all the racism, okay? Just Stupid. quit it a little bit. Just the next time you a stereotype.